Take your Bibles, turn along with me, if you would please, to Matthew chapter 6, where we find the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, we've seen that Jesus is conducting a master class on prayer. He says, pray then this way. He's giving us a model here, a model prayer, a prayer which is to serve as a kind of guide for us when we pray. He is saying, pray this kind of pray, prayer, pray along these lines, pray in this way. So how did, teach, did Jesus teach us how to pray? Well, we've seen that he taught us to put God first in our prayers. There are six petitions in this model prayer, the first three of which all deal with God's glory. And that is where we begin in prayer. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Jesus is making it clear here that when we come before the throne of God in prayer, we're to first bow our knee to the king and to his agenda before ever making a single request for ourselves, which puts us in the right frame of mind and the right heart attitude, one of humility and praise. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And trusting that all these things will be added to us. This morning we come to the fourth of these six petitions. And with this fourth petition we transition from requests about the glory of God. To requests centering more upon our needs today. And this first of these personal requests is very practical. It's for our daily bread. So look with me at Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We have prayed it together this morning as we recited it together. Let me read it once more as we hide God's word in our heart through repetition. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now and ask his blessing and help as we seek to understand his word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call on you as Father, that you care about us and you love us more than we can comprehend. You prove that by sending your Son, Jesus, to die in our place, to bear our sins and to secure our forgiveness and eternal life. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son. Thank you, Father, for the gift 
of daily bread, of meeting our needs, supplying what we lack in every way. Thank you that you are the good gift giver. Help us to trust you as such. Help us to, by faith in times of difficulty and struggle, to turn to you and to ask you to meet our needs, trusting that you will. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Jesus teaches us here how to pray and as he transitions from requests centered upon God's glory to requests focused more on our needs, he teaches us how to pray for our daily needs. And we're going to see this morning and learn three lessons about God's provision for our daily needs. Three lessons about God's provision for our daily needs that comes from this very simple prayer request. Give us this day our daily bread. You'll find that part of this prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11. So the first lesson we can learn from this very simple request is that we are completely dependent upon God's provision for our needs. You and I as human beings are in fact completely dependent upon God's provision for our needs. All of them. All of our needs. This is the first lesson that this prayer teaches us. When we pray, as Jesus instructs us, give us this day our daily bread, we're acknowledging the fact that we are dependent upon God's provision for our needs. We're acknowledging that we can't make it on our own. That we are dependent upon God and His provision in our lives. Now we live in a culture, as Americans, most of us, That prizes self-sufficiency, self-reliance, self-made individualism. Stand on your own two feet. And there are good things, of course, about that kind of a spirit, a good work ethic, determination, independence. Not relying on others, but going to work yourself and providing for yourself and your family. Those are good things, but there is also a dark side to this, isn't there? And we can fool ourselves into thinking that whatever we have, we've actually provided it for ourselves. We begin to pat ourselves on the back and we say, look what I have. My barns are filled. All through my ingenuity and hard work. But we're fooling ourselves. In fact, we are completely dependent upon God's provision for everything that we have. Everything. In Acts chapter 17, Paul there, as he preaches on Mars Hill, speaking to the Greeks... He says that God is the one who gives us life, everyone life. God is the one who gives us life, and he gives us breath, and he gives us all things. 
Now, in the Greek there, all things means everything. Just to get technical on you. Everything. God is the one who gives us life and breath and all things. He also says there that God has determined the days of our life and the places of our habitation. How long we will live, where we will live, the circumstances under which we will live, all of it has been determined by God, given to us, entrusted to us by God. And then he goes on to say that in Him we live and move and have our being. We live and move and we exist. Your existence, your very existence, is dependent upon God giving it to you. The breath in your lungs is dependent upon God giving it to you. The circumstances of your life, the length of your days, the career path you've chosen, the spouse that is yours, all of it has come from God's good hand. Your intellect, your ability, your willpower, your determination, all of it comes from God. The prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray here is merely an acknowledgement of this fact. That everything we have, everything we will have, Everything we've ever had has come from God's good hand. And we are entirely dependent upon Him for everything. We have a tendency to want to take credit for what we have in life. When in fact, without God's provision, we would have nothing. King Nebuchadnezzar learned this lesson the hard way. God warned King Nebuchadnezzar in a dream that Daniel interpreted for him that he would be severely humbled unless he acknowledged God's provision and sovereignty over his life and over the kingdom that he ruled there in Babylon. But in foolish pride, Nebuchadnezzar did not heed this warning. I'm just going to read to you from Daniel 4:28. So good, I don't want you to miss it. So just listen to me, okay? Daniel 4:28 through 37 says this. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself has, have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? Well, it goes on to say that while the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar. To you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you. And you will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. 
You will be given grass to eat like cattle. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and He bestows it on whomever He wishes. Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled and he was driven away from mankind and he began eating grass like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle feathers and his nails like bird's claws. But the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and I praised and I honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me. For the glory of my kingdom and my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven. For all his works are true and his ways just. And he is able to humble those who walk in pride. In instructing us to pray in this way, Jesus is getting to the heart of our problem. Independence, self-sufficiency, self-conceit. Praying to God for our daily bread is an acknowledgement of our complete dependence upon Him for life and breath and all things. When we pray to God for our daily bread, we're praying to the one who is able to meet all our needs. For he owns everything and he's in control of everything. Psalm 50 verse 10 says, Every beast of the forest is mine, says the Lord. The cattle on a thousand hills. The Lord has unlimited resources. And when you pray to him, you are going to his storehouses. You're saying, Lord, meet my needs this day. And he's able to do it. James 1.17 says that God is the giver of all good gifts. And in praying, give us this day our daily bread. We're acknowledging him as the great gift giver. In this same sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, just a few verses later, Jesus assures his listeners, that God is able to meet their needs. Look at Matthew 6, 25. Okay, now we're, this command to pray this way is given to us in Matthew 6, 11. I want you to look at Matthew 6, 25. It's just a few verses later. All within this same Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 25. For this reason, Jesus says, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. As to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on, 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Answer, yes, indeed, you are. And who of you, verse 27, by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field, how they grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. See, we understand God is the great gift giver. That he possesses all things, that he has all at his disposal. And when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are entrusting our daily needs to him, believing that he will supply our needs. And that is the antidote for worry and anxiety. Believing that God will be good to his word and answer his prayer and be faithful to his people. In praying, give us this day our daily bread, we are in fact seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness, trusting that he's going to provide these needs for us. As it is true that we are completely dependent upon God's provision for our physical needs, it is even more true that we are completely dependent upon God for our spiritual needs, right? Without God's provision of his son, Jesus Christ, we would be spiritually helpless and hopeless, both in this world and for the world to come. But God has sent his son, Jesus, into the world to be the bread of heaven for us. Listen to what Jesus says in John 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then he said to them, Lord, they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus is the bread from heaven that gives us life and sustains us. And brings us joy. That bread that has come down out of heaven to give us spiritual life. And without whom there is no spiritual life. Is the Lord Jesus himself. Do you have spiritual life today? Having partaken by faith. Of the bread of heaven. The Lord Jesus. You can have that spiritual life. You can have spiritual sustenance to meet your daily needs 
by trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation? Do you acknowledge today that you are completely dependent upon God's provision for your needs, Christian? That without his good gifts, you would have neither life nor breath nor anything else? Then acknowledge this by praying. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. That's the first lesson. The second lesson. We're to ask God to provide for our physical needs. For our physical needs. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are praying and asking God to provide us for all our physical needs. Bread here serves as a metonym for all our physical needs. A metonym is a single word that represents many things that are like it. So we sometimes refer to the tech industry as Silicon Valley. And by that we mean all those companies and institutions that are represented by the tech industry. Similarly, we sometimes refer to the advertising industry as Madison Avenue. So it is here. Bread represents all things that sustain us and keep us alive. Bread was a was the staple food in the diet of the first century Jew living in Israel in Jesus' day. It's all you had to eat, pretty much. It was all you ever ate, pretty much. Just as bread has been the staple food for much of the world for most of the time. Various kinds of grains, some places it's more like rice, but... All around the world, for most of time, people have been sustained by grains, by bread, produced by grains. So asking God for bread is a way of summing up all of our physical needs in a single word, bread. As modern people, we have a funny relationship to bread. Weird. Some of us can't eat bread because of celiac disease. Some of us have a gluten intolerance of another kind. Others have sworn off bread because they're trying to lose weight following a ketogenic diet or something like it. And I'm guessing for all of us, bread does not make up the greater part of our diet. And it certainly wouldn't represent the totality of our diet, like pretty much all we ever ate. But for many ancient peoples, this was the case. There wasn't variety. There weren't grocery stores packed aisle after aisle with infinite choices. You had bread on Monday, you had bread on Tuesday, you had bread on Wednesday, you had bread on Thursday, and you get the idea. And the kids would wake up and say, oh, bread again? This was the way it was. The ancient diet consisted almost exclusively of bread and other products from grain. 
Andrew Wilson, who recently wrote the book, The God of All Things, said this about bread. In some ways, the biblical word bread corresponds more closely to our concept of food than our concept of bread. It was not just an important part of a meal or even the most popular one, but the essence of all meals. Bread was life. For us, bread is an appetizer. Bread is that thing that goes on the outside of a burger so that we don't get our hands dirty. But for them, bread was the essence of all meals. Bread was life. Now here we're at a tremendous disadvantage culturally. We are culturally miles apart from this historical situation. We don't view bread the way people of the first century viewed it. It was the substance that stood between them and the grave. Bread was almost all they ever worked for and almost all they ever ate. Food, of which bread was the staple, could cost anywhere between 50% and 90% of a person's income. This understanding brings a whole new appreciation for give us this day our daily bread. Keep us alive. Bread truly was the sum and substance of physical life. And that's why Jesus' words may sound unusual to us, but they make sense when you understand it and flavor it with that cultural context. When Jesus says he's the bread of life in John 6, he is claiming to be essential, life-giving, one upon whom human beings are entirely dependent and without whom we cannot function properly. Just as bread would keep the ancient person alive, so Jesus would keep us spiritually alive, sustain us. That was a quote from Andrew Wilson, again, God of all things. So when Jesus says, pray this way, give us this day our daily bread, he's encouraging us to pray for all of our physical needs. Now, what are the kinds of things that are included in praying, give us this day our daily bread? Well, Martin Luther helps us here. He says this in his shorter catechism. What is meant by daily bread? He says daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, Devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. So if you need help filling out your prayer list, Martin Luther comes to the rescue again. So in praying for God to provide for us our daily bread, we're asking him to provide us for all of our physical needs in life. And this reminds us that it's not wrong to pray for physical needs. Without these physical needs being met, our lives would end. 
And there would be no opportunity to pursue our eternal needs in Christ. If we're going to live for Christ, we have to first be living. Right? And in order to be living, we must have our daily bread. So Jesus teaches us to pray for those needs and to ask God to supply them. It is good and right to do so. But you'll also notice that in praying for our daily bread, we are praying for the real necessities of life and not our every whim, want, and desire. I love what Don Carson says about this. This prayer is for our needs, not for our greeds. When I was a very young boy, our family lived in Cedarburg, Wisconsin for three years. And while we lived there, we had a pastor. His name was Pastor Dove. His young son told him, he said, Dad, I'm praying for God to give us a swimming pool. To which Pastor Dove responded, Now, son, God said he would grant us all our needs, not our wildest dreams. That's an important reminder and helps us to grow in and contemplate contentment. To realize that God, in most cases, has provided for our needs in such an abundant way. How many changes of clothes do you have? How many are in your closet you haven't touched in years? They just hang there. You realize how blessed we are? When's the last time, for lack of money, you missed a meal? God has supplied our needs in ample, ample ways. We are the benefactors of super abundance. Our cup runneth over. The reality is most of us have been given far more than merely what we need. We are blessed beyond measure. We should also realize that the answer to this prayer for our daily bread ordinarily comes through effort. Work. In providing for our daily bread, God often uses means. And the means he normally uses is our hard work. I like the story the Greek, the Greek scholar Spiros Zodiades tells of the story of a, a lazy man who depended on his neighbors to provide for his family with food. And he did as little work as he could. And he was fond of saying very piously... Well, God provides for the birds, and he will certainly provide for us, so why worry? One of his long-suffering neighbors finally grew tired of this and said to him with exasperation, Yes, but even the birds have to get out of their nest and scratch for their food. God provides for the birds, but they got to work for it. God has ordained that we should work for our food as well. And those who are lazy and will not provide for themselves and their family are declared by the Apostle Paul to be worse than an unbeliever. 
1 Timothy 5.8. Even when God supernaturally provided bread out of heaven for the children of Israel while they were wandering in the wilderness, that bread was, of course, manna, which means, what is it? I like that. God still required them to go out and gather the manna for themselves every day. Every day. They couldn't, they couldn't gather extra for the next day except in pre- preparation for the Sabbath. But on normal days, they, they couldn't gather extra. It would go bad on them. They had to gather each day for each day's bread. So praying for God to give us daily bread does not negate our responsibility to go out and work hard for our daily bread. We're to ask God to provide for our physical needs. It's a demonstration of our understanding that we are dependent upon him for all things. And that brings us to the third lesson. We're to live in daily awareness of our need for God's provision. Notice that Jesus says we're to pray for God to give us this day our daily bread. In Luke's recording of the Lord's Prayer in Luke eleven three, he records it for us this way. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. Not bread for the week. Not bread for the month. Not bread for a year. But daily bread. The idea here is of daily provision, a daily ration, just what I need for today. Tomorrow's needs are not met yet, but I don't need them yet. Today is what I'm praying for. Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. It's a great verse. It says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Like Nebuchadnezzar. Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. Lord, give me just what I need. Just what I need for today. So that I don't have too much and forget you. So I don't have too little and be tempted to steal from someone else. Give me just what I need. I suspect that for most of us, the greater temptation is not to steal and thus profane the name of God, but rather that we are so full and have so much that we're likely more tempted to say, who is the Lord? Who needs him? That's our culture in a nutshell. We have so much. We're so blessed when people say, the Lord who? He's never done anything for me. This prayer of the Lord for daily bread is intended to keep us humbly acknowledging daily our continual dependence upon the Lord and daily seeking His provision lest in all of our abundance and blessing we forget Him. Asking God to give us our daily bread is to take our needs one day at a time. It's to recognize that when it comes to dependence upon God, we're actually living hand to mouth. Depending on Him. Looking to Him. 
resting in Him and His provision and His promise to care for us. As Jesus reminds us just a few verses after this prayer in Matthew 6, 34, He says, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. If you start worrying about all your tomorrows, you're going to be a mess. The prayer is not for tomorrow. The prayer is for today. Lord, today, supply what I need. Provide out of your storehouses and your supply. Provide for my lack and my want. And so we're to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Incidentally, when we give thanks to God for the food before we eat, three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we are acknowledging God's provision and God's answer to our prayer for daily bread. Lord, give us our daily bread is the please. Giving thanks for your food is the thank you. Please and thank you. So as Jesus says, pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, provide for my needs this day. And may I be grateful to you when you do. Let's pray together. Lord, you are the great gift giver. Every good thing and every perfect thing comes from you. You have limitless supply. And we are a needy people. We are needy physically. We have things that we need that we lack at times. We get sick. We grow tired. We are limited creatures. We are but dust. But you, Lord, are eternal. You are spirit. And you are all powerful and possess all things. So we come to you with our needs. You have told us and taught us that it is good and right to do so. To confess our insufficiency and our need before you. And to lean on you and trust in you to provide for what we lack. Lord, we know our greatest need, though, is beyond the physical, and it is spiritual. Our greatest need is a Savior. Our greatest need is someone to take care of the debt that we owe you, a holy God, our Creator, who we have sinned against. And yet, here again, Lord, you, the great gift giver, and you, the great provider, have provided exactly what we needed in superabundance. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Thank you, Father, for your kindness and provision in giving us your Son, Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Help us to rest in him and give thanks for your provision. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.